you get to do the joke today. I do, I do. So, so help me with this, okay? Now, you guys always go, ooh, for him. Okay, no. <laughs> it's all in the delivery. Okay, ready? All right. Do you know why you shouldn't buy Velcro? Because it's a ripoff. <laughs> You know, you've probably heard of Murphy's Law. That's like everything goes wrong all the time, right? Murphy's Law. Have you heard of Cole's Law, though? It's shredded cabbage with mayonnaise. So anyway, so today we're going to be talking about, um, I don't know, feeling like an outsider. Have you ever felt like you just don't belong? Have you ever felt excluded? Or um, you can even be in a group of people and feel like the outsider. And you know, we've all experienced feelings like this. It's pretty dark, actually. You know, it's like when you can't wait to get out the door. You know, maybe it was the playground pit. You know, you remember those days where they lined everybody up, girls on the side, boys, and they had two team captains. They didn't even do that anymore in schools. That's a terrible thing to do. But you're always like, I'll take that boy and I'll take that girl. And you're. You, when we were talking about this, you said you've never known what it felt like because you were always the first pick. <laughs> I'm the one that used the illustration because I went through a phase where I was the last one picked. And anybody ever been there other than me? That, that seventh grade year was horrible <laughs> with my but, arms. But we've all felt that, whether it's, you know, the, the, the dance that everybody seems to have a date to go to. Why do you keep picking don't? on me? Every, <laughs> everybody else is going to the dance. I never went. Um, but we've, <laughs> we've all felt that way, him more than others. <laughs> two different passages from the book of Luke that have to do with lepers and, um, and how they relate to being an outcast. So at Harvest Ridge, we uh, want to give you, first of all, a place to belong. And let's start with that. What do you need to do to belong here? Just show up. You're included. You're given a place to belong. After you belong for a while, though, we're going to push you to believe. We're going to ask you to believe in Jesus. We're going to try to give you enough faith. We're going to, it's, it's what we do because we love you. Yes. We love the people that belong to us. So we're going to try to help you get better. And one of those things is we're going to push you to believe in Jesus. And then, because we want your life to not be a total wreck, we're going to ask you to begin behaving, doing the things you're supposed to do. But I want you to notice that that's the order. It's belong believe, behave. Now, most people, when they come into church, think the order is exactly the opposite. You've got to behave first. No, no. You don't behave first. You belong first. So you're welcome to be a part of this family. We're going to read a scripture, and then we're going to practice it. So, yeah. If you wouldn't mind, stand to your feet and join me. This story, we're, our text is going to come from Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let's do that one more time, because that was short, but that was good, and that was powerful. So Luke 19, 10. Read it with her. Oh, yeah, sure. Read it with me. <laughs> For the Son came to seek and save the lost. So what was Jesus' purpose? To seek and save the lost, right? So 
Jesus, we ask right now that you and your presence would be here. God, we have all gone through those times. We yet know that you are here to seek and save us, to help us, Lord. When we do feel like an outcast, you have included us in. And Jesus, I'm asking that you would be with this message and be with each of us to know that we are included in the family of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you are seated, you have an opportunity to help somebody feel like they belong. So I want you to look around you and just say hi to a half dozen people and maybe one or two of them take enough time to let them know they belong. So, guys, if you're single in this place, you know, I'm not saying anything, but it might be a good opportunity when I give you a chance to do that. Anyways. <laughs> Hi, who are you? Anyway, all right. Um, let me tell you this message. When I started this Luke sermon series, one of the things that God had, I felt God speak to me about was speaking from the leper passages, which is what we're going to talk about today. I thought it was going to be about healing, and we are going to pray for healing at the end because I thought these passages were about healing, and we are. At the end of the service, we're going to invite you to the altar and somebody to pray for you if you need healing in your life, but as I got into it, I made up my mind years ago that I would stop preaching the text the way I saw it and let the Holy Spirit speak through the text. And uh, as I was reading this text, both of these texts, I realized that we weren't talking about healing as much here in these stories. There are other healing stories that I think are a little more healing-driven. But these stories are about belonging, about not being an outcast anymore. And the reason for that is, is um, well, the first one is the story of an untouchable. So according to the law, a person with leprosy must wear torn clothes and call out unclean. So Leviticus 13.45 says, Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkept, cover the lower part of their face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. So the rest of that is my notes. Oh, say, okay. Well, here we go. See? Staying away from, sorry, this is a, a malfunction up here. So staying away from people was what they had to do. So what happened was, if you're already feeling like an outcast, because you literally are physically an outcast outside the city, and then you have to turn around and yell, unclean, unclean. Wow, that is really harsh. And my wife can never do this because you have to leave your hair unkempt. <laughs> <laughs> and then wear a veil over your face, because you didn't want to breathe on anybody. I mean, this is like COVID on steroids right here. So, no, let me explain why. All right, if you were a leprosy back in those days, um, there there is a type of leprosy, I forget the exact name of it, but there's a type of leprosy that if you have it, what happens is it deadens your nerve endings so that you lose feeling. So you could be cutting like up your potatoes to throw them in, you know, the, the pot to cook them. And as you're cutting, you could cut the tip of your finger off and just keep cutting because you wouldn't know it because the nerve endings are dead and you lose feeling and sensation in your nerve. What, what would happen is people in these kind of leprosy, with this kind of leprosy, they would, um, the, your eyes get uncomfortable. So you blink and when you blink, it puts water through your eyes. But people with this kind of leprosy, they'll uh, forget to blink 
They feel no pain in their eyes. They feel no discomfort. So that because they don't blink, their eyes will literally dry up within their sockets and they lose their eyesight because of it. And that's the kind of leprosy we're talking about. We're not, you know what's remarkable to me is people talk about Christians being unloving and all this kind of stuff, but yet, do you notice that Christians, you go anywhere in the world and there are leper colonies that were founded by Christians. It, and the church has always, true followers of Jesus, have always been people who run to those who are hurt and outcast. And if you've got a problem with Christianity because you think all we want to do is hurt people, just look at the history of the world, that Christians are actually the ones that have spent their lives uh, dedicated in reaching out to the people that nobody else wanted to touch or be close to. And part of it is because of a story like this one. So you can imagine, and if they were to get around someone highly contagious, it could wipe out an entire village. So they were removed. They were put on the outside. So physically outcast. I'm sure in all different ways they had to be feeling horrible about their condition. One more so, thing about that. The leper, um, that, that skin, the way that leprosy starts, the way it looks at the beginning, is very similar to other skin conditions. So there's a lot of rules in the Bible. You can, if you read Leviticus, there's like chapters on how do you determine what's a deadly skin disease and what's just like psoriasis or something. So you didn't want to have psoriasis back in the ancient days because it looked, I mean, they would ostracize you and, and it would take literally months, if not years, to get you back to a place that you could interact with your family again just because you got a red patch on your arm. And... Uh, that this is they didn't know how to deal with it so they were dealing with it by ostracizing and keeping people away until they figured out when they could be clean again are y'all following that and that process of cleanness that doesn't harm everybody else in the community is what's going on in so, these passages so we were talking he just said it but we had COVID in the early days and not that COVID is like leprosy but that feeling in the early days of COVID where you didn't want to tell anybody, you, at one lady said to me, she went in to get tested and she was waiting for her results out in the car. And she said, I felt like I was waiting on a result from an STD or something. Like, like it was like, don't tell anyone, go in your house, you know, tell who you need to tell and then don't speak. In fact, you'd go to Walmart, right? And you didn't want to make eye contact in the event that somebody talks to you. And then you're like, mm. So it, I can only imagine what these poor people went through because that's rough. That's a rough place to be. And theirs was way more difficult than our COVID years. And in Leviticus, it was the priest's job. The priest, their job was to examine these skin diseases and determine what was right or wrong. And then if they were clean, if they declared them clean, they would offer a sacrifice and then they could go back to their family and life. But you had to be declared clean to get back in. That leads us to our story today. So Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 14 says, While Jesus was, was in one of the towns, a man came along uh, who was covered, that's a key word, with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. There's our word. There's our word. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man also key. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. So I just want to walk through the passage with you, okay? 
as we walk through this passage, can we go back to the start of it? He says, um, Jesus was in a town, man came along, covered. This is a Luke word. Luke is a doctor. And what he's saying is this was not a little case of leprosy. This was a bad one. The guy was covered from head to toe. So he had to, he had to yell out. He had to yell out, unclean, stay, what was it, 10, um, um, 15, 20 feet is the closest he could get to anyone. And he would stay at a distance and yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. That's this guy's life. It was covered. This probably wasn't a, the early point. This had probably been going on for a while. And we have a guy that, how long had it been since anybody had been close to him? Do you know babies will die if they're born and nobody touches them? You can feed them and change their diaper and do all this stuff. But unless they have physical touch, a baby will literally die do you know that physical touch with another person actually makes your blood pressure go down? It literally, physical touch makes you more healthy. And here's a guy for years, nobody's been close enough to get close to him to touch him. So what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Well, he touched him. He touched him. He literally reached out his hand and touched him. The guy asked him, the guy did not ask him to be healed. The guy asked him to be made clean. The reason he wanted to be clean is so, because remember the priest would go through the process of declaring that the skin rash now was no longer uh, something that he needed to stay away from, and then he could be declared clean. He might have been asking for God to do a miracle to cause the priest to declare him clean. I don't know whether he had the bad kind of leprosy or not. It might have been psoriasis. And here's this guy living away from everybody, and he wants to just be clean. And Jesus says, I'm willing, but he's more than willing he actually reaches out his hand and he does the unthinkable. He touched him. He touched the leper. And when he touched him, he gave him life. And, and this, so this passage is about, it's about more than just healing. It's about a restoring of a guy. Jesus could have just said, okay, go. Go show yourself to the priest, which he did say. But he took a step to say to the outsider, to the ostracized, I care about you. I care about you. And then he tells him, you know, of course, go show yourself to the priest. And, um, and, and notice something else Jesus said. He said, don't tell anyone. Now notice this on the screen. Don't tell anyone. Go show yourself to the priest, offer the sacrifices for the priestly cleansing as a testimony to them. Who is he a testimony to? It, who knows? Think about this. Don't tell anybody how you got well, but it's to be a testimony to them. What, what's the testimony? I think the testimony is that God wants you to be included, is the testimony to them. Don't tell anyone. This isn't about Jesus building a ministry using this sickness and doing this miracle. It's about Jesus saying, it's a testimony to them that God wants everybody to be included and to be loved. God wants there to be power in your life. See, this miracle was not about his miracle. This miracle was about a testimony. That being said, I wanted to talk to you about this. Anybody ever pray prayers and you don't feel like they're answered? Anybody other than me? Come on, wave at me. All right. So I brought this up. I was listening to a message the other day. It had John... John 15, 7 says this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you will and it will be given to you. 
Know what it says? Yep. If, do you have uh, John, do you have that one at all? John 15, 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. Now, anybody know what this is? It's a plug, right? For these plugs to work, this plug has to work, right? right. Do, you know, do you know what these three prongs are for? My electricians are nodding their head. I'm going to give you an electrical lesson here. Tell me if I'm right, all right? This will be the positive side. The positive side is mean what flows, the power that's flowing into this outlet. This will be the power floating. It's going to represent God's power. God has an unlimited supply of power flowing to us. But do you know this is useless if all it does is get power to it? Did you know that? There has to be a flow out because there has to be a negative. There has to be a positive and a negative. And this passage says that if you remain in God, you have all the power flowing through you. But if you stop it there, you don't have the power flowing back out of you. You don't have the negative side. The negative side is my words remain in you. In other words, you've got to live God's way. So if you are living in relationship with God and you're living in a way that honors him according to his words, then there is a positive-negative flow. And that positive-negative flow is what causes there to be power given to the rest of this. Do you know how you... Does anybody know what a light switch does? A light switch simply stops one of these two flows. It just stops it. And when one of the two flows stops, you no longer have power. By the way, there's a third one on here. What's the third one? Ground. Do you know what a ground is? I'll tell you what a ground is. A ground, God's power flowing into you, your obedience flowing out, and you're surrounded by people that tell you the truth whether you like it or not. It's called the church, the kingdom of God. Now, I walked into Kids Men this morning, saw Tony Mango there, and doggone it, Tony Mango had to, had to ground me this morning and tell me something I didn't want to hear. Who do you have in your life? that you give the freedom and the right to tell you what you need to hear that you don't want to hear, that you're disconnecting from God's power. I mean, the Holy Ghost sounds like Robin Crow. <laughs> They're one and the same. The Holy Ghost sounds sometimes like Tony Mago or my deacons or, yeah. Who, who's your ground? That's why we have a church. That's why you should be in a life group in a church is to keep you connected. Yeah, life groups. Yeah, there we go. Go through membership. You'll understand that. All right, so stay connected to God. Remain in Him. Obey His words. And stay connected to the body of Christ to keep you grounded. And then what can you do? What you ask for then will be in alignment with God's will. And it will be in alignment with God's word. And it will be in alignment with the body of faith that you're surrounded with. And a lot of us, we never get to the point to ask whatever we want because, to be honest, all we ever ask for are what we want, not what God wants and not what God's Word says and not what benefits the body. Y'all can keep that. So for this man, healing wasn't meant to just touch his body. There was, there was a bigger goal 
you know, he was going to die someday. The bigger goal was to restore his life to him, to restore <clears throat> and give him salvation so that he had a complete life. And <laughs> healing, you know, sometimes, why isn't every request granted? Why isn't every... Well, think about it. If every request that we have was granted, you would never die, right? You would never leave this earth because it would be taken care of. You want to talk about God's irony. I just had a coughing fit here, a little bit of one. And we're pr praying for healing today? Come on. Do you think God doesn't have a sense of humor? He knew what we were going to preach months ago, years ago, before the creation of the world. And yet he allows me to go through this today because I believe that sickness and healing and the answer to those prayers are part of a bigger picture than your momentary relief of whatever you're going through. We got a story about that. Yeah. So this is back in the day. Some of you have heard this story, um, but we're going to reenact this story. Actually, let me set it up. Sorry. You want to set it up? I, I, I have to set it up. So I was raised in, um, in a church environment where the Bible was concrete from heaven. I mean, it was... So then I made the mistake when I got saved of reading the Bible. And I don't have problems with the Bible because I don't read the Bible. I have problems with the Bible because I do read it. And I read a lot of it. And I've read it so many times that I know the problem passages. So I'm reading along through the Bible. And for years, I'm, I'm a, uh, a youth pastor. And I read, you know, Goliath was supposed to be nine and a half feet tall, yet little five foot six inch David uses his sword. Come on, it'd be like this big. <laughs> You know, and I, I've got an answer to that. I'll tell you some other time. But um, I, I had all of these like problems and issues with the Bible. And what happened was I had a view of the Bible that it was a perfect book fallen from heaven. There was no humanity in it. And every time I'd run into a part of humanity in the Bible that I couldn't understand, I'd just sweep it under my rug. Well, in 2001, I went to Ashland Theological Seminary, my very first class. I had an Assembly of God professor. This guy is not a, he's not a, a heathen. He's a, a man of God. But in this class, he spends three and a half hours showing me more problems in the Bible than I ever had thought of. So do you know what happened to me? Because my faith was not in a resurrected Jesus. My faith was in a book. What do you think happened to me? I went into a tailspin, and I had some physical problems, thyroid issues, and some depression issues, and man, it was not a good time in my life, and my faith was actually non-existent. I was a pastor who half the time didn't believe there was a God. Enter this story. So there was a lady, we'll call her an old saint of the church, um, but she was not a saint. She was not a saint. She, she, she had, she was far she from had destroyed two life groups. Yeah. And, the, you know, she was a little different. Okay. I'm just going to say, Whoo, okay. Weird. She was weird. Okay. He didn't like her. No. I wasn't that keen on her, but I'm nicer. Hey. No. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. No. Any, anybody, anybody that destroys a life group, you and I are going to fight. Right. And she destroyed two. Right. So, and, and she was, well, we would have called super spiritual, okay? So, of course, the night that, um, you know, a Wednesday night, he had been having sciatic pain, and that was really bothering him. And um, he's going through all this, and, and of course, she comes up front and says, and I'm going to do this in my best southern uh -huh. voice. Nope. So let me start. Let me do one more thing. So I get up to, to speak. It's Wednesday night. I'm going to get up and teach. 
And when I get up, I like, hey, you know, the hamstring of sciatic nerve. Do you all know how it is? It's like you can play a guitar string. Doing. Anyway, I get up and this lady notices that I'm in pain. Okay. <laughs> and, and she says, Pastor, can I pray for you? Is that good? So I Everybody, did it my best Southern. Yeah, Pastor, can Everybody I pray gather for around. you? And of course, what's he going to say? He's up in front of everybody on a Wednesday night, okay? So you can imagine he has to be like, yes, here we go. He didn't want it to happen. He's like dreading the whole thing. But here she comes. I, I, I'm like, I don't want this lady to pray for me. I just want to get this over with as quickly as possible because I'm the pastor and I can't say no. So... So back in the day, now we have oil up here too, because we do believe in praying for people and anointing them with oil. But sometimes in those days we had big old oil jugs. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Um, and we would, we're gonna, this is our oil. And, uh, and of course she comes up and she grabs one of those jugs and she doesn't do this. No, no, she goes like this. And then she does this. And he's not that See happy face. See, yeah, he's not that. And then all of a sudden, she turns to him and she goes, Woo! There it is! And at the woo... First oh, off, wait, wait. let me just describe this. You never start praying for Kevin Crow with a woo, okay? <laughs> it's not going to go well, okay? Just a woo is not the proper way that he feels comfortable, okay? Woo! There it is. But I will tell you... What happened? When that woo hit, it power and electricity went from the head of the top of his head to the bottom of his feet and back up and he has never had any sciatic problems again. So that was about 1999. Forward now to 2002, I believe it was, 2003. I've crashed at Ashland and the car is going off the rails, and I'm at a point of planning my own demise. And I have no reason to live. I don't believe there's God. I don't believe anything. I'm ready to quit, and I feel like I'm faking every day. And I'm at Millersburg Super 8 for a board staff retreat. It's five o'clock in the morning and I wake up, the same old thoughts start going, except this time God steps in and he says to me, he said, so when that woman, that crazy woman prayed for you, did you expect anything to happen? I said, no. You didn't expect anything. I said, no, I just wanted her to quit and get away from me. I didn't like her. He said, well, how did you get healed then? You were healed, right? Well, yeah. How, how did you get healed if you didn't like psychosomatically get healed? You know, imagine it was going to happen. Prepare your brain for it to happen. None of that happened, guys. I wanted her away from me. I wasn't thinking healing. There was no thought about healing. And God said to me, you didn't do it then, did you? Who did it? I was like, well, there has to be something. <laughs> there has to be something. 
And that started me on my journey. That day started on, on my journey of rebuilding my faith based upon a resurrected Jesus rather than a book. Now, I respect and reverence the book. The book is inspired by God. It's the authoritative word of God. You're going to hear that from me. And this is a book that is reliable in its witness of Jesus, but it's reliable in its witness of Jesus. This doesn't save me. Jesus does. So God doesn't have a problem with you asking him questions. He only has a problem if you've given up and you don't care about finding the answer. Yeah. So that healing had a bigger purpose to include me in the body of Christ because of that. I wound up dealing with childhood abuse and a bunch of other things. Once I started that process of getting well because of faith, when God does a work in your life, it's not going to fix everything. It's going to start your process. And it started the process of including that guy. We got to do this one quick, so let's go. So the second story we're going to look at, we're going to call it the outsider. Um, our next leper is part of a group. You may have heard of this group. It's the 10 lepers. Um, and he was not only a leper. So the man had leprosy. He was a super leper. You know why? Because he was a Samaritan. And I don't know whether you know about Samaritans, but Samaritans were already outcasts to begin with, let alone being a leper. So there's 10 of them walking around together and some, they found each other. So why were Samaritans an outcast? Real quick, what happened? There was a Northern kingdom and a Southern kingdom. And the Northern kingdom were the 10 tribes of Israel that split off on uh, Solomon's son. They split off 10 tribes, and then there were two tribes and the Levites down here. And this was the Judah and David's people down here. Well, these northern, they were captured by Assyria. Assyria came and destroyed them, and they brought some Assyrians in and resettled, and they took a bunch of Israelites out. Well, these Assyrians that came in, they mated with, they created babies with these people that were from Israel, left there, so they were half-breeds. And y'all know, if you know anything about half-breeds, that's the most hated people because this group hates them and this group hates them. So they became half-breeds and they, were, uh, they set up their own religious system. They took part of Judaism and rejected all the rest of it. They made a different town, mem, uh, place of worship called Mount Gerizim. They also had their different Bible. They had all of these things that were different. So the Jews all hated them. So you've got a guy that is religiously wrong he is um, um, culturally, politically, everything you can think of that would be a hot button topic. This guy is on the outskirts. Okay. So this story is about him. So you want to read that? So Luke 17, 11 through 19. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. There that is. There it is. They can't go close. And called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when they saw them, and when he saw them, he said, Go to the whole group. Show yourselves to the priests. And they went, and they were cleansed as they went. One of them, when he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. And he was the Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to praise God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. 
So I want to talk through a couple of words here in this passage. There are three key words to understanding this passage. The first one is uh, that they had, uh, they had asked to be cleansed. Jesus said when he saw them, they, they asked for pity. They're like, have pity on us, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Remember, that's the law, right? The, you had to go be to the priest to be cleansed. And when you were called catharzo is the Greek word, Catharza, when you were made clean, ritually pure, you were allowed to come back and participate with your family life. So notice it was as they were going, they were catharza, they were cleansed. Their bodies were cleansed in a way that would get them back into relationship with their family and their world around them. Do do y'all see what's going on? So that's the first word. Then what happened is one of them, the Samaritan, as he's going down, he looks down and sees he is healed. Now that's a second Greek word, and that Greek word is iameo. And iameo is used throughout the entirety of the New Testament to speak of physical physical healing. So if a leg is broken and it gets well, it's iameo. Or, you know, your eye you can't see, and then you can see your iameo. All physical healing is IMAO. So we start with catharzo is clean. And then one guy notices he is healed, IMAO. And he turns back to Jesus. Notice he turns back. He turns back to whom? To Jesus. Now, this story is about salvation. This story isn't about healing. Because when he turns back, he's doing something the Bible calls repentance. Where you're going one way, he was going to get his goal of life, but he turned back to Jesus. He, he left behind everything that was important to him because he was saying Jesus is more important, and that's called repentance. I turn from my sin. I turn from my desire. I turn from my evil ways because I want Jesus more. I don't turn away from sin because I hate sin because, to be honest, I like some of them. I turn away from my sin because I love Jesus more. Amen. Are y'all following? So he turns back noticing he is healed. And when he comes back, he falls at Jesus' feet, you know, in obeisance and worship. He's bowing before him. And Jesus said something to him because this guy was giving him thanks. He was offering thanks. And Jesus says, weren't all 10 of them catharzo? Weren't all 10 of them cleansed? See, Jesus spoke, they obeyed. They're going to do what he told them to do. But one of them said, relationship is more important than my goal. And he came back, and when he fell at his feet and he worshiped Jesus, the scripture says, rise, your faith has made you well. Now, we think of that as a physical healing, but this isn't the word for physical healing here. This is a different word. This is now soza. Soza is the Greek word used throughout the entirety of the Bible to mean you are restored spiritually, physically, emotionally, And you know how we normally interpret? Well, I'll tell you, the exact same word is in Ephesians chapter 2, 4, and 5. It says, For God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been, what's that last word? Saved. That's soza. What you call saved is soza. So back to the story of the, the, the leper. The leper, he was cleansed when he obeyed. And when he noticed he was healed, Imao, 
He decided to turn because he wanted to be in relationship with Jesus. Relationship was more important than what he got out of Jesus. And relationship was more important. And he returns and Jesus says, you're saved. Body, soul, spirit. You are now eternally God. And the difference is the returning to give thanks shows that you val- he valued relationship with Jesus more than it being an exchange of goods. So, Jesus, are there any givers, givers and takers? Well, I won't ask you to raise your hand because that would be ugly. But, <laughs> okay. I'm a taker. So, so I'm a giver. So, you know, what does a giver do when they walk into Aldi's or Mark's or any place else? They start seeing things that would be so good for somebody. Oh, they'd love that. Oh, and my mind is always like on racing about, oh, someone would love that. That'd be great. And, um, and so that's the heart of a giver. This man, when he received something from Jesus, he turned and he gave thanks because because the thankfulness shows the intention of the heart. What does Barney say? Please and thank you are the magic words, right? It's what we teach our kids from their very onset. Say please, say thank you, because we are selfish people by nature. So we have to work at having an attitude of thankfulness and gratefulness. And a giver has the other person in mind, not themselves in mind. So when I go someplace with her, she's always telling me, so-and-so would love this, and so, you know, one of our kids would love this, and one of our kids would love this. Now me, I'm always like, can we just get the oatmeal and get out of here, <laughs> right? But that attitude of thinking of others is thankfulness. Now I've learned this lesson the hard way. This has been a hard one for me because um, some of us, the, the words that go through our mind on a regular basis, they're just not nice. They're just not nice. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a friend of mine this morning, and I said to my friend, I said, you know, if somebody talked about you the way you just talked about yourself, I would yell at them, and I would punch them in the nose for talking about you that way, because they don't talk about my friend that My mom said to me one time, she said, don't talk about my son that way. My son's better than that. And I think Jesus might be up in heaven today saying, don't talk about my child that way. My child is better than that. Because what happens is we start looking at our problems rather than looking at what God has blessed us with and being thankful. So one of the things that, uh, practice a thankful journal. Here, I'm going to read you a story. Well, actually, you read it. It's okay. A study by psychologist Robert Emons divided volunteers into three groups that each made weekly entries into journals. One group wrote five things they were grateful for. One described five daily hassles, and one control group listed five events that had impacted them in a small way. The results of the study revealed that those in the gratitude group felt better about their lives overall, were more optimistic about the future, and reported fewer health problems. So the challenge today is to make a thank journey. You know what? There's a whole bunch to complain about in life, okay? Complaining's so easy. It's come so natural, okay? Thanking is more difficult. Set aside a time in your personal life. Maybe write things down. And when you're having one of those low moments, pull that thing out. Add things to it. It is not going to hurt you. 
to have a thank journey or a thank, put it on your phone. Make a thankful journal. Journal. Put you a piece of paper somewhere, uh, maybe a book, and try to write down four or five things a week that you're thankful for. Because in this study, and by the way, I could have given any number of studies, people who are thankful physically are healthier, mentally are healthier. Because what happens in that moment, you stop focusing on you and you start focusing on the giver of all those good things. So I, I, w- I want to do this today, okay? Um, these stories are about salvation, but they're also about healing and repentance and, and restoration. What I'd like to do is I'd like to start by just praying. We're going to celebrate communion in just a second. But I'd like to start by praying for you if you have a physical need. So what's going to happen is our prayer team's going to come forward. I think a couple of band members are going to come out. They're going to play some songs, and you're going to sit there. And here's what I would like you to do. If you're not coming forward and you see somebody come forward for prayer, come on, prayer team, and you see somebody coming forward for prayer, maybe you want to pray for them. Because wouldn't you want somebody to pray for you if you were in need? So as they, uh, if you've got a need and you want somebody to pray with you, we have a team here. They're willing to pray for you. So I encourage you, just come forward now. And if this is a little silent, more silent than you like, deal with it. Pray for somebody else. If you need healing or any, anything, just come on up. Somebody's going to pray.